Welcome to the Instinctive Influencers Podcast, a show where influence becomes one of your tools for success. Now, here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Ed Haley. Hi, I'm Brian. And I am Ed. And this is the Instinctive Influencers Podcast. Well, Ed, here we are, man. We're getting right back at it. Uh, that last episode was amazing. You know, we had two of our good friends, and I, I would also think we've learned a lot from them. We had we had Quentin Furman on, and we had Rick Williams again, the Bearded Ninja. Um, oh, also, real quick, Ed, this episode is brought to you for the bearded with the Bearded Ninja beard balm, balm. made of snake venom and pomade. So, what do you think, buddy? Yeah, that was a uh, that episode was really fun to do. Just um, you know, having two great guys on, two friends, a retiree, a future retiree. Congratulations to Firm. Um, so yeah, it was interesting to do, and then for you to have the opportunity to be in the same room with them uh, and do it, I, I thought it was a great opportunity. I also thought it was a great, uh, I thought it was great timing, uh, the way it lined up with Veterans Day. Yeah, exactly. Well, actually, that was your idea, man. So had to go with it. But uh, yeah, and also that I don't know if people uh, have noticed yet that picture that's there on Facebook with I had the uh, the Bearded Ninja Fan Club T-shirt my wife made for me. So it was pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> but other than that, I think I really think Ed, this week's episode, we're diving into this. I think it almost tags along with what we talked about during that one because really that one is really about giving advice to juniors who are coming up through the ranks to become leaders and it could be civilian or military or whatever but with this one i think i think it just adds to it wouldn't you say yeah i think these are some tools that could be useful for those juniors coming up some good knowledge some good ideas um i mean it's a reason that we're talking about six pillars yeah, exactly. The six pillars of of a successful NCO. But once again, I personally think we can we can almost play off of that and say the six the six pillars of a successful person because it could be anyone really. They can use this. You can use this advice. Period. Oh yeah, I, yeah. That's what I was thinking too as I read it. And actually, of all the articles we've done, this was probably the easiest one to take a military article like the intent of it. And flip it. This is one of the easier ones to do that. It really transitions well to um, to the civilian sector, I think. Oh, absolutely, man. And really, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to dive into this and read the very first couple paragraphs here because what it does is it kind of sets up the scene for this. But before I do that, uh, what I want to let you know, those of you out there, this is actually an article from something called the NCO Journal, and it was found in the uh, the edition is of September 2019. So it's fairly new. It's a fairly new article uh, that was done up. And I've, you know, Ed, I can tell you, man, I've been following them on Facebook, and they have a lot of good articles just in general to check out. So I would definitely recommend to our listeners if they get a chance and they want to, you know, they want to find some good professional development reading, they should really check out the NCO journal. Cause I mean, anybody can find it and look at it. Yeah. I, I think that um, even for, you know, for our civilian sector folks, I think if you really look at the page, like I said, some of these articles really make sense and some of them are about the civilian sector. So 
just I wouldn't get scared away from the fact that it's a uh, NCO journal or non-commissioned officer journal. I would still check it out. You may find something very useful there. Yes, absolutely. Well, I'm going to set the scene off by by going ahead and reading these first few paragraphs here of what it has to say. Uh, I feel like personally, it kind of hit home with me and also with you, Ed, probably uh, because of where this speech was given. Um, it was at a basic leader course, which we were a part of. Uh, but this is in a different state, different place that it took place. And it's actually by John Hewitt, the third. He's the one that basically wrote this, but he also was the speech that he gave to these uh, students. So here it goes. On June 28th, 2019, I had the pleasure of delivering a speech to the graduates of class 007-19 of the basic leader course at Fort McCoy, Wisconsin. As the senior civilian at the 86th training division and an 18-year military officer, the faculty at the academy was interested in my leadership philosophy and thought it would benefit the newly minted non-commissioned officers. The following is an adaptation from my remarks that day. I'm not going to provide you a chronological timeline of my accomplishments, and I won't tell you to do things I do not personally practice or believe, and I'm definitely not going to tell you that I have paid off your college loans like Robert F. Smith did at a recent Morehouse College graduation, although that was a shining example of leadership in action. But I will tell you that, like you, I am a work in progress. Today, I will deliver a little message I call B. It's six things I want to impart to you before I leave. I find this to be an appropriate message for leaders in today's army for three reasons. First, you are warriors, and warriors are lethal. Let's be clear. Your job is to engage and destroy the enemy in close combat. Understanding that, however, we should also remember a few things. Warriors practice self-control. Warriors are agile, adaptive, intellectually savvy, and possess emotional intelligence. That, like good diplomacy, can end wars before they even begin. Second, these six principles complement what you've learned in your basic leader course. Further, these principles transcend your time in uniform. They should have a perpetual place in your life. And lastly, because you are NCOs and NCOs are people of action, each principle is about action. Something you should do. Something you should employ. Something you should master. So that, that kind of sets the tone right there, Ed, uh, of this speech that he's given them. And then he goes through and he's going to hit upon each one of these. You want to you wanna kind of open this up with his very first B, Ed? Well, I would love to. Uh, so his first one is be hungry. First, I want you to be hungry. You must possess an insatiable desire to achieve. Passion and motivation are not enough. You must develop a hunger. The hunger, or this hunger, unlike passion and motivation, will not only propel you forward from goal to goal, success to success, but it will sustain you through life's inevitable setbacks. So when you talk about the be hungry one, so what I like about that is, um, it's to me, it kind of means a few things, right? Like, so when you think about being hungry, Brian, I think about, you know, the drive. And, and I did some additional research on how to maintain that, you know, being hungry. But it's important that you have a drive because that's, you know, again, drive. Mm -hmm. It's right there. It's what motivates us. Mm -hmm. It's what pushes us. And that hunger for more. 
uh, whether it be hunger for knowledge and lifelong learning, which can be achieved through what? Reading more. That's one of the great ways, you know, um, to feed your hunger, to get that hunger for knowledge is to read more. Mm-hmm. If you look, we've talked about several times on the show how well read people like General Jim Mattis were, General Patton, you know, General Eisenhower, and these extensive libraries that these folks had. Well, the reason behind that is because they were hungry for more knowledge. And what reading does is it allows us to experience things that we didn't experience. So I just recently finished General Mattis's book. So I have Did an you? idea. Yes. Excellent book. Excellent book. Uh, not much about being a sec deaf. It was mostly his uh, time as a leader in the military. But what's great about it is, you know, there were periods of time he talks about where I was also in Iraq at that time, but his experience is different than my experience. And he paints a picture where I can kind of visualize his experience. You know what I mean? So you're not experiencing what they are, but you can kind of get an idea. And that's where that whole uh, reading a lot, you know, helps feed that hunger for knowledge. I mean, so what do you think when we talk about, uh, you know, the hunger, Brian? Um, to tell you the truth, Ed, so when I think about hunger, I also think about, to me, that's a, it's like a drive. Uh, it's it's finding that drive that connects to why you're doing something, right? So if I'm hungry to, you know, achieve a certain uh, physical uh, feat, or if I'm hungry to learn how to do a certain anything. what I mean, what I would definitely say, though, is you have to have a reason why you're hungry. So there, there has to be like that, that, that drive or that there's something there that it's igniting that fire to be hungry. Cause I mean, yeah, you could work towards something, but if you really don't want it, which means you're hungry, then it's probably not going to be as passionate. That's, that's kind of my take on it. Yeah, I, I agree, Brian. Like I think hunger is, you know, again, we're only on number one. So can it be the key thing of, of this whole article? It could be, depending on who you are. Um, and I like what I liked about it is if you look into it a little, you know, you dive in a little deeper, there's stuff that we've talked about. So we already said the reading, right? So another thing that helps to feed your hunger is humility. We've talked about humility several times, whether it be check your ego or be humble, whatever it is, but Humility kind of feeds into your hunger because when you're humble, right, you think of your success as a journey, not a destination. So for us, our career has been a journey. It wasn't, you know, and there are people that come in and say, I'm going to 20 years and I'm done. But there's something that happens along that, you know, that route. There's a journey. There's and we're going to talk later on about um, how things change and goals change. But I think humility is another key piece of keeping that hunger, keeping that fire, that drive uh, going and and staying focused on on the future. Brian, I think being hungry is an excellent way to start this article. Yeah. And, you know, and being hungry is is kind of like not settling, like don't settle for what you achieved. Now, he kind of talks about that a little bit right here. Uh, I noticed you hadn't read that yet because it was a quote by a great coach. Um, but he talks about not settling completely. Now, can you you can bask in the glory of achievements, but at the same time, it's like, okay, now I've achieved that. Set new goals. Now be hungry again. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know. So again, let's go back to us. So you get promoted to sergeant. Well, that's a that's an achievement. But is that the end? 
No. So you, you know, you enjoy that moment and then you start focusing on what's next. A lot of times we tell our young leaders, don't focus on the, on what it takes to make the next rank, focus on what it takes to make the one after that. Let's start building, you know, why wait till, okay, now I'm trying to get promoted to Sergeant. Now let me start taking college classes or, or or what have you. So, and then the coach Mm -hmm. remark that you talk about is according to, Bill Belichick, I'm not reading all the other part. If you sit back and spend too much time feeling good about what you did in the past, you're going to come up short uh, next time. So that's, you know, yeah, great. Brian, you're master sergeant. Great. What's next? All right, let's put the diamond on you. Let's make you a first sergeant. But if all you ever focused on was I'm a master sergeant, that's, you know, I'm happy here. Then, you know, the next time when you get considered for sergeant major, you're gonna come up short because you're not gonna have that first sergeant time mm-hmm. yeah absolutely and and the part that you didn't read i'll go ahead and that's it says greatest nfl coaches of all time well, one of the greatest i didn't want to read it so. because it seems like all his championships have some kind of controversy behind him so i didn't want to really say is he really one of the greatest it's a lot of controversy yeah. so yeah it, it's haters that's all Oh, it's just yeah. haters. Well, there's, there's proof, uh, yeah. but okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he does say, do not allow current success to dampen your desire for more success. You do not have all the time in the world, so be hungry. I, I like that. I like that idea. You know, it's good to celebrate. It's good to celebrate something. You know, uh, you achieved this, but now what are you doing next? What are you going after? What are you going to continue on for? You know, and you know, that, that kind of reminds me of, the idea of, Ed, have you ever met somebody, say, who is elderly, who's older, much older, and they seem to not ever quit working? Yes, my uh, my uncle buddy, absolutely. He's 80, is he, is, 80-some years old. He still tends a farm almost by himself. And I bet you he's probably still strong as an ox, probably still gets out there and does the things he was doing yep. years ago. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. And that's part of that. That's that hunger to continue on. That's what he has. And they there's been plenty of studies that have shown when you slow down and you stop doing things, your body starts its whole, I guess you call it decaying process of it doesn't perform like it used to. Now, I can tell you my father-in-law, his mother, Daisy, she still works at the hospital uh, there in Dixon. And she's almost in her 90s now. And she, when I say she gets after it every single day, like she she basically tidies up all the rooms and whatnot throughout the hospital. She overworks all the kids that are like a third her age, not even a third yeah. of her age. <laughs> and she outdoes them. And they're more clean than those kids make it. You know, so I, th- I find that to... Uh, I kind of I revel in that a little bit, you know. I, I like I like that idea, man. It's because that shows a hunger to always want to achieve the best you can, no matter what. You know what I mean? Yeah, you just made me think. My aunt works for the school board still, like works in the school system um, in the lunchroom. But she she says that she's told me before where somebody has asked her to like, hey, can you just slow down a little bit? You're making the rest of us look bad. So yeah, that's kind of funny when you said that. Yeah. But I mean, and you, you can, you can look at that example though. I mean, that's a, that to me is a shining example of people who are still getting after it that are hungry in life. I just, that's how I feel, man. So, all right. Hey, the very next one, man, be hard. When you pursue achievement and success, you will encounter trials and tribulations. That is why I want you to be hard. 
I am not talking about being stubborn, mean, smug, or apathetic. When I say hard, I'm referring to resilience. Hard people can be counted on, especially when situations are tough. Hard men and women make sound decisions under fire. They're not easily swayed by distractions. They do not crumble at the first sign of adversity. According to research, when you review challenges as an opportunity to learn, problem solving, and increase confidence, you move closer to building long-term resilience. So be hard. When he talks about that, Ed, uh, I I want to go to a, a, like a, a personal thing with you, man, because it makes me think of you in a situation you were in when it talks about resilience. And I want to talk about physical resilience. When we actually... I, I would definitely say we had a moment when we first got the academy together and we were going through and you got you got injured. <laughs> and I think that's kind of I think that was kind of like the uh, that was the snowball effect right there of our relationship because it built upon that. But I don't want to focus on that. I want to focus on after that injury, how your resilience kept you driving to push forward. You know, I mean, that to me, I thought that was quite a feat. You know, not only were you hungry. You're like, no, I'm not going to just settle. But, I mean, you could have at, at some point said, you know what? This injury has just done too much for me. I'm going to retire. But you didn't. You were resilient with it. Can you tell us, I mean, what what made you want to continue on after that? Like, I mean, that was like a really, really bad injury. Uh, so, you know, and people have said this before. And I'm like, no, well, it wasn't that big a deal, but... The biggest thing was I wasn't done being a soldier yet. So I had to look at what it took to prolong my career. What was it going to take to get back to where I was? And I mean, I never will be the same as I was because I'll never run again and, you know, some other stuff. But the I just kept pushing. I remember teaching, you know, I still was teaching on a scooter uh, in the classroom, which was unique but i wanted to get into the classroom i didn't want to sit on somebody's duty desk and 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 not contribute to the to the team you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so for me the whole factor there was i just i wasn't ready to give up on the military um you know i didn't want to quit and you know change was change is something that happens and i just had to you know uh, bounce off of it and, and find my next path and keep pushing forward. And uh, I'm glad I did because now I'm going to be promoted twice since that time. So that'd be uh, well worth what I went through. No, absolutely. And, and that's why, like, when I when I think of that, that whole situation and, you know, how you, you, you I mean, you took a, it was a debilitating because basically it was like taking your whole leg away for, you know, and then you got stuck on a scooter for a while, which was kind of cool because then you had that little basket and people would put stuff in it. Well, but, I couldn't drive. Uh, you know what I mean? Like people had to come pick me up yeah. and it was terrible. But yeah, but but I'm saying, though, like that situation, even though you had to go through all those little different uh, trials and, you know, tribulations in a sense, you still continued on. And like you said. You got promoted twice since then, not just once, but twice. Uh, you could have retired, but you decided you didn't want to. And I think that's that part of that. That's that resiliency that you had of I can do this still, and you are still hungry, as the very first one we talked about. So I think personally, that resiliency thing, I think that's what makes us who we are. I really do. 
Like we've talked, yeah, we it, talked about resiliency multiple times here, and I feel like resiliency builds us into the characters that we are, and it helps us develop. Just like we had a few episodes back when we talked about charisma, I think resiliency helps that. What do you got, man? Yeah, I agree. So here's the funny thing too, Brian. So this is another reason when I went through that, that one, my wife was never going to let me quit. That just wasn't going to happen. That's just who she is as a person and as my biggest supporter. But so oddly enough, I come back from, you know, from surgery and they sent me to the master resilience trainer cars. And I think that they sent me because there was nobody else available. And I, at that point, they weren't going to let me teach on the scooter. And I think that sending me to that course was a game changer because I went into the master resilience course. Right. And we talk be hard is about, you know, we talk about right here in the article about being resilient. Well, in that course, you learn stuff about, you know, putting things in perspective. So initially, yeah, I thought my career was over. I was going to get kicked out the army, go to this course, learn about putting things in perspective, learn some tools to do that. And I think that that assisted me. And then, you know, it made me realize that this, that that what was going on in my life was not something I couldn't overcome. I mean, I wasn't even back to work yet after surgery. And my wife was taking me to the gym and helped me lift weight. She would actually load the bar for me and then I would lift or I would put a 45 pound plate on my scooter and I would kick it over and lift weight, you know, load it myself. So just that drive and, and that, that not give up uh, mentality that I learned through the MRT course. So I think that, you know, yeah, they sent me just to check a block and fill a seat. But I think in reality, they may have prolonged my career by sending me to that class. Yeah, that's, that, that's awesome. I mean, it, it, it helped you. It helped you grow in a certain way. Um, one other thing that I wanted to hit upon about, you know, during this piece of the article about being hard uh, and it was about resilience would be, uh, were, were you, did you, uh, you noticed recently about Kevin Hart? He just finally came out about his whole accident that he had. Yeah. My wife was just actually watching some of his uh, videos for him rehabbing. Yeah, I was too. And he makes a comment in one of those videos. Uh, and he basically says that he's like, you never know when it's your time. So you got to live every day like it's your last. And I, to me, it's like, that is exactly right. Like live every day. Like like, just go after your goals, go after things and be resilient from the, uh, of the things that have, that have tried to knock you down and you came through on the other side. Now, I mean, now maybe somebody listen is they're going through something right now. Maybe they, they're, they're in the middle of that and they don't see that light at the end of the tunnel. Well, what I can say is there is a light at the other end of the tunnel that can, you can get through this, you know, dig down deep, do some work, put it in, ask for help if you need it, and make your way through. And then you're going to look back upon this and it's going to make you a tougher, stronger person. That's just how I see it. And that's kind of how I felt after watching and looking at the different things with Kevin Hart, because, I mean, he really took a, I mean, he he has a big old giant scars down the middle of his back where it fractured a bunch of his uh, vertebrae and stuff. I mean, it he really, and it, now he's like, he's dedicated to come back harder and stronger than what he was before. And he was, he was quite the worker before he got injured. So what else you got to say, man? Yeah. You know, and, and so I would encourage you, if you want to know a little bit more about Kevin Hart and his work ethic, Read his book that he came out with. I, I cannot off the top of my head remember the title, 
but I did read his book and I'm pretty sure it's maybe some profanity in this title, but, um, but you can see his drive in it. This guy was driving hours to go to comedy clubs before he made it. He was, you know, broke. He was uh, writing checks that he did not have money in the account to cover in order to get to these um, appearances. So if you want to talk about drive and since you brought up Kevin Hart, his book, absolutely illustrates his his real drive and his determination and then when you read his book you'll be like now it makes sense why he's saying the things he is as he goes through this and tries to come back from that those injuries it'll make a a complete sense to you if you read his book i'll make sure i add that to the show notes ed i appreciate that man what all right you want to bring us into the uh the very next one the next one is be helpful As you chase life's challenges, you will encounter tough times, and you will not be the only one. Remember, others struggle also, which is why you should be helpful. According to Merriam-Webster, helpfulness is being of service or assistance. Helpfulness enables you to build connections with others. Oh, I like that. Especially with those you lead currently, as well as those you will lead in the future. It requires you to check your ego Mm. which improves communication and collaboration, ultimately improving organizational outcomes. Man, we did a whole episode on this almost. So I, I said the one thing really I, I like that builds connections with others. So that is leadership capital, I'm pretty sure. But that does, when you help somebody, you're building a bond with that person. When they help you, it's the same thing. And then, just like we talked about a couple episodes ago ago on the uh, Charisma's Warmth episode, right? If you ask for help, you're also building that genuine connection with that person, Brian. Mm -hmm. So be helpful is, uh, that's a, that's, all right. I, I really like where the author's going so far, Brian. What do you think about being helpful? I, I love to me. I had my uh, I had that Jocko moment, that flashback where it's check your ego. It literally says it requires you to check your ego, which improves communication and collaboration. Communication and collaboration; those are the those are key elements to any type of relationship building. Period. And along with that, checking your ego. When you mentioned and and you were actually mentioning about, you know, asking for help and giving people help as I was thinking about it, I was sitting here thinking about what to say and you, you, you said it exactly. But at the same time, I wanted to throw in there. If you give somebody help, don't expect something back. Just do it. Just do it for the, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the, your good graces, you know, just help somebody and don't expect anything back. Uh, I, I've talked multiple times about Gary V before, Gary Vaynerchuk. And that's one of his, the things that he hits upon. He's like, karma will come around sooner or later for you. It, but that's not the reason you should be doing things to help people. You know, you, if you give away free information, you're doing it to help other people become better. And that's to me, I think that's that's a solid key point about being helpful is I'm doing it for you. Not for me. I'm doing it for you. That's the whole point. But uh, and then checking your ego, man. <laughs> we could. It, I almost feel like Ed that we would uh, 
be tagging along too much of what Jocko does say, because I think we could actually do a whole episode about checking ego. And I guarantee you between you and I, we probably have more examples about checking ego, whether it be a personal or people that we've dealt with in the oh, past. Oh, yeah. And I think it's easy in the military to have people who have a problem with checking their ego, right? Because I have more rank than you, so I shouldn't be taking advice from you or I shouldn't be asking you for help because I have more stuff on my chest than you do. And that's that's an ego issue, right? Like, if you don't know, you don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you, you have to ask for help and, and that's where that whole check your ego comes in. So when he says be helpful, I also, I mean, like I said, I think it goes both ways, be helpful and be willing to ask for help. Uh, it just goes together. Yeah. You know, I, in the very next sentence, Ed, I specifically remember saying this, these very words to soldiers when we used to work at BLC, he says here, So when you get back to your units, identify areas of improvement and consult with your immediate supervisor and take on the responsibility of improving and sustaining those efforts. How many different times? I mean, I guarantee you probably did the same thing. I I know I said that probably every cycle where I tell, hey, take this back to your organization. But at the same time, Ed, I I have to admit something here, man. I was uh, an NCO at one point that was sending people to BLC. This is long before I ever worked there. And I was sending them, and I, I want to say it was WLC then. And they would come back, and they would try to throw out all this stuff, information of like, we should try this, try this. And I would kind of shoot them down. This was during my toxic years. Um, and I would shoot them down. And now I think about it, I'm like, man, I was such a hypocrite. You know, now I've completely flipped that. And it's like, no, hey, bring that information, bring that new stuff. Let's, let's teach everyone. So I'm glad I was able, like, personally, I was glad I was able to rec, I'm able to recognize that and be able to move forward on it. But I would definitely tell anybody out there that's listening, if, if you have somebody that goes off to a, a class, a school, any type of developmental program that's going to help the organization, whether it be military or civilian, when they come back, with new ideas, try to involve that. Because if you can, I mean, what's it really going to hurt if you're trying to improve it? I don't think it's going to hurt. Now, if you come up, they come up with this idea that's going to cost like tons and tons of money and it's not going to, it's not going to make, you know, bang for the buck. I got that. But at least listen to them and then give them options. You know what I'm saying? So the the problem is for, you know, and I'm not saying with your scenario, when you were that young toxic leader, um, still learning to develop. But a lot of times it's an ego thing. It goes back to what I said. Like I got more rank on my chest. I know you just came from the schoolhouse, but get out of here. We ain't doing that. You know what I mean? Like I I didn't check my ego. Um, I think the other really important part. So, you know, he gives a little scenario. Uh, but after that, beyond just your immediate unit, get out into the community and improve it. You or your entire unit can partner up with local organizations and clean a street, help the elderly with chores like yard work or groceries, build a home for a veteran or hand out food to families in need. Uh, That helpful, that helpful to me is something that you just don't see enough of in the military. And at the end of the day, and it goes later on in that paragraph, he even says um, you're going to promote a positive army reputation when you do these type of things. So there's great groups like Team Rubicon and Team RWB. And I mean, most military bases, there's some kind of a veterans home nearby. These are places you can go. Um, 
you know, the first time I did it at, was at Fort Campbell. My wife and I, we went and we delivered stockings at the Veteran Hospital in Nashville. And it was one of the greatest experiences I've ever had. Like, it was just an amazing, uh, you know, an amazing time. The veterans, you bring them their stockings. Some of them had some jokes. Uh, so it was enjoyable for me as much as it was for them. But you were helping your community, uh, helping your community out. Uh, more recently, so you know, military history buff, uh, they were bringing some guys in on a Band of Brothers tour, some World War II veterans, and they were coming into the Frankfurt Airport, and they were going to go to Bastogne, to the Battle of the Bulge site, and all they wanted was some people to come up and help with their baggage, get it on the bus, right? I mean, we're talking an hour, depending on traffic, hour to an hour and a half ride, and uh, I jumped on it. I said, yeah, yeah, because that connects that older generation with us, the newer generation, for one thing. And what did it hurt me to go up there and load some bags? Okay, so it cost me three hours of my day. Big deal, you know what I mean, for the greater good. But those old veterans, have they remember that. They remember the active duty soldiers coming up and talking to them. They remember us loading their bags and, and those things, so. I think it's important for us to be involved in our community, not just the military, but in the civilian world, like get outside your own four walls and, and have an impact. I think that to me, that would be a very important thing. Oh, yeah, definitely. And Ed, while you were talking, um, it, it just my brain started clicking and I started thinking about different stuff that our listeners could go and do to be a part of the community. Uh, here's just a few to name off. So Habitat for Humanity. That's a great program. I've always, I've built a couple houses with that. Um, I loved it. Go and volunteer time at the veterans home. You know, we were just joking about some stuff that we saw on Facebook from a guy named uh, Shumney and great dude, but he goes and volunteers at the veterans home. I know he does because he goes and he does the, uh, the Christmas decorations each year. I want to say um, food kitchens, just to go and help either make food or serve food to those in need. Christmas angel program. If you're not familiar with like a Christmas angel program, this is like, for instance, if you go to a mall or, or a large shopping area uh, and they have the they have these little pictures of kids and ages and all this stuff and the things that they like, you can take that and then you can go buy them something. And then you put that, that tag uh, on the presents that you bought and you give it back to that program. And then, that organization makes sure those children receive those presents. I mean, that's just something that's nice. And, and I mean, obviously requires money. Um, Soldiers Angels, uh, Soldiers Angels program. I can tell you that uh, my organization was, we were a benefactors uh, from that, that where people sign up online to give or to buy stuff for soldiers who are deployed, you know, it could be snacks, foods, flashlights. I mean, battery, I mean, there's certain things that a soldier may need. And, you know, and I, I had some really good sponsors for my, uh, my group of people last time I was in Afghanistan. And she like, she sent some just unbelievable gifts and I would just spread it out to all the soldiers, you know, and, and they loved it. It was awesome. Um, another one, and this is something you kind of did, Ed, uh, reading to children programs where you all did yep. the bicycling and then you gave the books to the kids yep. and you got to read to the kids. To me, that's I mean, that's that's really important. I mean, what's a you know, what's a five dollar book and then give it to a child or you just read it to the child and then give it to them. They're going to remember that. They're, I mean, I know they will. And then here's another really good one that uh, I think I think benefits children 
and adults really is the big brother, big sisters type programs where you get to, you know, kind of like be a big brother for a kid or a big sister, either one. Uh, to me, those are, those are key areas that people can volunteer their time and they can help out in the community, just like it says right there. So I remember when I worked with the uh, Bearded Ninja, he uh, does a lot of stuff in the community, clothing, and I think he does some food stuff, the collection stuff, and delivers meals. And so what's awesome about that is, though, so he got his daughter involved, his son, I'm sure, was involved. His son was already out the house by the time we met the Bearded Ninja, but I'm sure he was involved. So now you're you're showing them as the as the parent, you're showing your children that it's okay to be involved in the community and to help others. And we're making better human beings out of that. So I think again, get involved in your community, do something for the community. And I think the impact will be great. And I think you'll really uh, appreciate it. The other thing you talked about when uh, we're deployed and we get those packages. So for those who do that, that don't know the soldiers look forward to that. They love when they get those packages, you know, cause it's, and the great thing about those is it's more of a surprise. So when my wife sends me a box, I know what's in it. Sometimes my wife will try not to tell me just to surprise me. But when you get a random box, because there's organizations where you can sign up your whole squad section, platoon, whatever. It's like Christmas. Like you have no idea what's in there. It's so exciting. And when those soldiers are out there and they're going outside and they're doing convoys and they're doing all this stuff, those moments that adrenaline that that feeling um euphoric feeling that they get when they get that box i I can tell you even though you don't get to see it for those that contribute to that it is an awesome thing so uh greatly appreciated i also got a set of golf clubs sent to me from one of those organizations one time so it's pretty that was pretty cool i left them downrange so i left them in iraq for the next unit but yeah so being helpful, I think, is is really a, a crucial component of uh, these six pillars. This is like, to me, I think being helpful has to be near the mi- middle of these six pillars somewhere. It's like, great. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think it helps build upon the character that you are when you're helpful. Uh, and I don't know, it's even if it's just something small, too, you know, like just small things like holding the door open for somebody who's coming behind you, you know, just and waiting because their hands are full and you know those are those little tiny things those things actually build up to be great things uh so let's let's move forward we're going to move now to being hopeful next i want you to be hopeful hope never replaces planning but it's also not a liability According to Scott Kaufman, the scientific director of the Imagination Institute of the University of Pennsylvania, having goals is not enough. One has to keep getting closer to those goals amidst all the inevitable twists and turns of life. Hope allows people to approach problems with a mindset and strategy set suitable to success, thereby increasing the chances they will actually accomplish their goals. You know, at when I think of that, man, I think of when you build a plan, it, it's going it, to, it, it needs to work. Yes. Or you want it to work. Yes. But if you're not hopeful that what you, your capabilities are and everything that you put into it are going to be successful, sometimes you're kind of setting yourself up for failure already because you're not hopeful in who you are and what it is that you're trying to accomplish. I, I definitely, I feel that Having a hope in self is probably 
one of the key elements to this uh, of being successful. And then here he goes, talks a little bit more. Life is full of challenges and difficulties. Talent and skill are not enough to achieve your goals and dreams. He, he, he says it right there, talent and skill is not enough. There, there has to be a little bit more to help get you over that top is what he's saying. You must also possess the will to achieve those goals, yeah. especially when life gets tough. And I think that falls back on that whole resiliency. So your resiliency builds upon your hope to get things done. Yeah. Hope is what keeps you focused, determined, and positive. Oh man, I I'm telling you, like that's that's one of those things that, you know, so right now I'm away from my level, my family, my my wife and two children or three children. There's that I know I'm gonna go back to them, but there's also that hope that's involved in there, you know, that, Oh, I can't wait to get back to them and and we can do things together and stuff. Like that's the stuff that kind of like keeps the drive going. You know what I mean? Oh, we're back to drive. I like it. Yeah, no, I, that last sentence is for me is it was uh, something that really stood out. The, the whole hope is what keeps you focused, determined and positive because again, not to hark on, uh, not to harp on when we're deployed, but when we're deployed, that hope is what keeps you going. Hope is what gets you through each and every day uh, of a deployment. At least for me, that's how I think. I think that that's what gets you to where you want to be at the end. And I think it's very, very important. So that that sentence is pretty, um, yeah, that's a pretty awesome sentence. Yeah, I, and I feel the same way you do, man. Like those, that, that, uh, that time period when we're away, especially on those, like those tours where we have to go off by ourselves, those hope is what, keeps the the dreams alive and it's not that it's not that you don't think you won't make it through to the other side it's just the ideas of uh what you want to do when you get done with that you know that those are the small things the small pieces of hope that really help me kind of push forward and keep going is that i wanted you know oh i can't wait to get back to do this or, or do that and, you know and it's the hope inside that i get to go to you know for instance we're going to we're going to head to Colorado when I get back and we're going to go out there and I've got people that are out there that uh, I, they're on Facebook, they're friends of mine and whatnot, and they're going to be in the same unit as me. And they, they've been climbing this, they call it like a, it's some type of stair, stairway up the mountains, but they call it like stairway to heaven or something like that. And like, I'm hopeful to get the chance to go do that because it just looks really cool. It looks like a cool physical event that me and my wife and kids can go do. But it's just one of those things that you look forward to. Now, I also know that I'm not going to get straight there because the elevation change is going to be crazy that I'm not going to get straight there and I'm going to be able to do all the things that I can do now. But I'm hopeful that I'm going to achieve that physical ability over enough time. So, uh, so right here, he says, consider this on your path to hopefulness. Set your expectations. The way we expect the world to be changes how we see it. If you think things will be tough, they will be. If you think today is your day, it will be. It is in your mind. You can change your life at any time, irrespective of your circumstances. Be inspired and be hopeful. And to me, I I do believe in that. I think that's that, that uh, Ed, I don't know if you've ever done it really much, uh, it, like positive words of affirmation to self. I find that those things, uh, they help. Like for instance, if I'm in the gym and I'm trying to do something, I have to tell myself, Oh, I can lift this or I can do that. 
you know, or I, I, I can run that fast. It was if I doubt myself, I'm probably not going to do it. And I'm one to want to quit. Uh, you, you felt like that way before, haven't you? Yeah. And I think your, your example is, is great for the, the gym as well. Even as far as getting there, sometimes like if you go in, I know I've done this, I've gone in, I'm like, Oh man, this is going to be, this is going to be a long workout or, you know, you're really not feeling it that day, (laughs) but you convince yourself (laughs) that you're not feeling it. And then you go to lift weights and you're not lifting the weight you normally would lift and your performance is poor, but you did that. You did that mentally before you uh, even got started. That's why like, it's important to visualize a great workout, visualize, you know, great lifts, whatever. But yeah, you set yourself up uh, by your lack of, of mm-hmm. hope coming into the gym. So I think that your gym reference was a pretty good example yeah. uh, of that. Actually, it's funny you said that too, Ed, uh, and you mentioned that uh, just last week. It was, uh, wasn't last week, week before last. And I was just like in this slum one day. I I went, I showed up, and I was just like, man, I just don't feel like doing this. And, I, and then I like, it's almost like it was a split moment of judgment that I decided, what am I telling myself? I'm here for a reason. I need to be doing something. So I just, I pulled one of the rowers down and I just started rowing and I started, I just kept going and kept going. And then I realized after I was at 5,000 meters and I was like, wow, I didn't know I was going to do that today. And I just, just happened to do it because I told myself, Hey, no, you're not quitting. So, uh, all right, you ready to move on brother? Yeah. What do we got next, Brian? I think we got it. Oh, this is one we've talked about before. Oh, yeah. And this falls into the ego. Be humble. As a leader, you should recognize that you do not know everything. This is the first step to humility. Humility is not about being passive, submissive, weak, or insecure. According to Dr. Carl Albrecht, humility involves an experience of growth in which you no longer need to put yourself above others. Everyone is a peer from the most important person to the least. Think about the great leaders of all time. Most of them suffered ego bruising losses or failures that reoriented them or improved qualities and focus on others. Humility and learning go hand in hand. According to Forbes Coaching Council, humility allows you to magnify your strengths, connect with others, increase your curiosity, handle change in the unknown, Break down barriers in your team or squads, platoons, companies, etc. See beyond yourself, explore opportunities, and earn admiration and respect. This is is this is pretty big because oh, he's, yeah. he's absolutely right. You think about it, great leaders. I mean, throughout history, uh, great leaders have had those big losses that kind of you know either you know some of them have changed the course of of history. You think about a. A guy like a Napoleon, uh, you know, he gets his tail kicked and then he really never reaches that same um, level. You think about my my guy, the great General Patton. So what happens to him? Well, on D-Day, he gets to uh, command a balloon army as a distraction and does not get to participate in the events of D-Day. That is just an ego bruising thing for him. Uh, he goes on, though, and still has some successful campaigns. He gets a little bit better about controlling himself. Not really-ish. Um, but when you talk about these great leaders, they have had those big moments like that, Brian. And, and they've had to humble themselves, you know. Um, 
for me, I can tell you, I'm going to be taking the Army uh, combat fitness test this week, and I would almost be certain I'm going to be humbled by it. And that's fine. That's fine, because all that's going to do is give me that, um, that drive and determination to work harder at it so that when we take it again, I do better, but I I truly believe this week I'm going to get humbled by that new uh, fitness test. Oh, man, I think you'll do fine. You're strong as an ox, man. You're going to do fine with it, I promise. Hey, you know, I want to hit back upon what you'd read there in the in the first sentence, and it's kind of a mindset that I've I've kind of uh, swayed my to- myself towards and started thinking things this way. And, I mean, and people can use this in all types of realms. It's just how you use the wording. I truly believe, Ed, that when when we're talking about individuals i think words mean something and how we describe people really means something cuz right here he said involves an experience of growth in which you no longer need to put yourself above others everyone is a peer from the most important person to the least so for instance i don't like to call lower enlisted anymore I, I, I call them junior enlisted because they're just junior. They haven't been around as long. Um, I don't like to say the E4 and below because I don't feel like anyone's below me. Instead, I'll say the private through specialist. Um, the higher ups, I don't like to refer them as higher ups. I like to refer them as the seniors because they've been around for a little while. And I really believe that those words help characterize their position, but also it's more inclusive. It doesn't... I don't feel like it sets people apart. It doesn't sound as negative. Um, some people may disagree with this. Uh, I like, for instance, we have people who um, who failed to meet the standards of the APFT, and I don't call it APFT failure PT or PRT or anything like that. I just call it first sergeant PRT. And this, these group of young men or women, they go and do PT with me. And the funny thing is, is we've had a really good success rate. You know, commander comes out there with me every day too. Uh, so it's usually him and I, and then we have a couple of good, real stellar NCOs that help us out. But we make them feel, uh, I would say, better about who they are and their capabilities. I, I don't, you know, I don't know if you remember this much, Ed. Uh, back in the day, when people used, and I used to be one of those people. Remember, I, I mentioned toxic. Uh, back in the day. If you failed a PT test or um, or you were overweight, it was almost like people made it a point to make your life miserable and dog you out oh, and, yeah. because they wanted you to fear being a part of it. And I'm doing air quotes uh, to the point where you'll really achieve hard. I don't I don't feel that that helps. I really don't. I think if you make people exactly if I, if I if you make them feel included in one to the group. And that they're physically capable, and you help build them up. I, I personally feel, and I've seen it. I can tell you right now. When I started my program, we had ten. Now we have of the ten, the original ten, only two still there. One of them who uh, who just took a PT test a couple days ago. The only thing that that individual missed was by one sit up. Previously, that person was failing their run by over three minutes, and their sit ups by over fifteen. The only thing that, and, and this is a buildup phase that we've been doing. Um, we had we had like four or five people that had failed uh, since then, since that initial group. And of that, only one of them is still on the program. I mean, it's just, I personally feel like it's how you word things and how you treat people. And that's that whole being humble part. 
You have anything to add to that, man? Yeah, so it's interesting when you talk about the uh, that part of the the quote where he talks about everybody's your peer because what that does is is um, it it's like a check and balance, right? So humility is the ability to keep power in check is what it does, basically. Uh, so that that's interesting. The other thing is you're talking about the uh, physical training for those that don't meet the standard. So in our unit, they call it Spartan PT or Spartan physical training, because that's our unit is the Spartans. Well, you know, I'm a, I'm a history major, and, and actually Spartans are one of my favorite areas. So I was like, oh, I want to do that. And they're like, no, that's for people who are struggling with the Army physical fitness test. Oh, yeah, no, I don't want to do that. Never mind. <laughs> I just wanted to do it because the name was cool for it. But it doesn't belittle the, the people who are involved in that program. It doesn't make them, you know, when you say reconditioning PT or uh, remedial PT or special population PT, those things are kind of demeaning. You know what I mean? Like they're not really. So this is just named after the company. It's a Spartan PT. Like, and it's not a huge deal. Like when they put it out, they say, hey, 1500, those ones, those who are conducting Spartan PT will meet at this location. That's it. You know, I do remember early in my career as a young, you know, specialist and, and, and private first class that they made that a thing. Like you were embarrassed. You didn't want to do it because it was embarrassing. And and granted, at different time frames, like in the 90s, that worked. But this ain't the 90s either. So um, I think that's one of those things that you just kind of look at. Um, but, yeah, I, and being humble, it's a lot of great things that come from being humble, Brian. Um one thing is if you're humble, I think that as a leader, if you're humble, you're going to build a stronger connection with those that work with you and for you, which then in turn makes you stronger. I think it makes you look like a stronger leader that you're humble. Um, you know what I mean? Like I would rather Brian who's humble than Brian who beats his chest and says, I know it all. Yeah. Um, yes, and and that goes back to the ego thing. That's sometimes people have a hard time swallowing that pill that you do not know everything. As a, as a, as a, my MOS 92 alpha, you know, at one point in my career, I thought I was the end all be all. I was, a, you know, I had a, I had a WWE championship belt that said 92 alpha on it. And, uh, my colonel said, what's with the belt? And I said, I'm the best. I said, sir, I'm the best 92 alpha on this installation. But was I, so for the level I was at, maybe, maybe, maybe not. Right. I don't know. I don't know every 92 alpha on the installation, but I didn't know the warehouse. So that means I, I, that's the biggest part of our job. So that means I can't do that. Um, so that means I didn't know that. I didn't know support operations. So that means I couldn't be the best 92 alpha because those are two big areas for me as a senior. So as an E4, maybe, but did I really? So, uh, you know, and you, I think you learn humbleness over time and space too. I think you realize what it is. Um, I think when I was younger, I really wanted to be the best of the best and, um, you know, you appreciate people who think you're the best. Oh, he's the best this or best that. But as you time and space goes and you get older, you're like, you know, that's not that important to me. I'd rather hear that my soldier is the best 92 alpha. So, I mean, that's just me and my two cents. But I think there's more pride for me as a leader knowing my soldier is one of the best than me. And then yes. I'm going to still tell that soldier, listen, calm down. You calm down. You're not the best. There's somebody somewhere that's better. It's just a fact of life, you know. Um, coming here to where I am now, it was a humbling experience because there's a lot I didn't know <laughs> that I got here. And now I know I didn't know, but now I know. <laughs> Sounds like that stuff Mr. Williams used to talk to teach. Mr. Williams just yeah. teach us. You know, I was 
I was unaware of what I didn't know. But now I'm learning and now I'm changing jobs to another section. So here I am again. (laughs) I know I don't know that job, but I'm going to know it. So you just got, I think humble is, is huge. Um, And then, you know, some of it comes from, you know, if you play competitive sports, I think you struggle with being humble, right? Because we're taught you got to be the best thing on the basketball court. That's just what it is. So some of that is stuff that we've learned as kids. And I'm not saying it's a terrible thing. It's just I think it's better to be humble early, learn, and then realize it's not that important to be the greatest. Good point, man. You know, hey, I and I'm gonna ha- I'm gonna have to ask you to read this last this last paragraph there um, under the humble thing because I really believe that what it says here. We have talked about these very things exactly these things on multiple shows, and it's almost like it reiterates the ideas behind being an influencer it really does you want to you want to give that to them real quick i absolutely do brian learning is truly about humility consider these actions on your path to humility listen to others attentively and actively do not rush to get your comments in be helpful as well as ask for help don't be prideful make it a habit to say thank you wow i think we talked about gratitude And Mm -hmm. remember, you do not know everything, nor do you possess all the skills and talents to do everything yourself. So be humble. So I have something to add to this, Brian, that uh, I wanted to throw in here while we're talking about, you know, not knowing everything. Right. So this is a quote from the great Hal Moore. To be a leader, you must be willing to be a lifelong learner. The leaders who fail are those who think they know everything or that they have nothing left to learn. Mm. They resent having to learn something new or adapt to a new situation. So this plays into humility that we talked about today. I think that it plays into some of the other stuff that we've talked about today, but this is how more talked about, like you do not know everything. Um, and, and I think that's critical in being a great leader, Brian. That's, that's how, what I personally believe. Uh, I know that it's something that you believe in as well. So I, I think it's important, Brian. Oh, yeah, man. I, you know, I tell you the truth, Ed, I, I really wish that I was interested in this type of stuff when I was younger because it's like it's just like you said earlier, when we were talking, you're like, man, I wish I would have been powerlifting a lot sooner in life because you would be a lot stronger and you'd be more knowledgeable. I feel like that too, like when it comes to just these ideas and how to go about things and, and the fact that we're we're trying to push the idea of lifelong learning all the time and try to learn from others and to, to have that humility, lose the ego, all that stuff. I'm, if I would have known that, I don't know, 10, 15, maybe 20 years ago, I, I, could, I couldn't imagine where I'd be right now. You know, man? Yeah, no, I agree, Brian. I really think that that would have been amazing. I, I mean, the leader that I think we avoid our toxic years, which maybe toxic, maybe being a little bit toxic is part of our growth process. Maybe it's a natural progression for uh, most leaders. That would have been a good question for last episode to ask them if they thought that. Yeah, I think I think you're right, brother. All right. So, hey, let's uh, we got this last one. It's going to round out this uh, six pillars of success of a successful NCO right here. And it could be of a successful person. We're not going to just say NCOs, but this last one, I feel very strongly about this. I actually have something I used to tell people all the time and I'm still, I'm still in the the idea of uh, writing a book about it. um, In a sense, this says be accountable. I, uh, I have this idea of accountability of responsibility to me, like 
how key that is. But let me read this and then I'll explain my accountability or responsibility idea. Merriam-Webster defines accountability as an obligation or willingness to accept responsibility or to account for one's actions. Being accountable and reliable is the backbone of an NCO, and the NCO is the backbone of the Army. An NCO's dependability, especially under stress and impossible odds, is what makes the United States Army a lethal fighting force. So go forth, build your foundation of leadership upon these six pillars, and do good in this world. Go be warriors. So I love the way he ended that. Um, And accountability, responsibility. Mm Mm-hmm. That's that ownership. That's that extreme ownership that uh, that we you've heard us talk about multiple times. That we talk about with Jocko and and Leaf and their book. But it's the idea of if if it's yours, then you own it. You take it on like it's yours and and no one else's. And if something goes wrong, you own it. You don't you don't say, oh, well, we could have got this done if only such and such did this. I was just talking to somebody the other day and. I felt like it was like excuse after excuse after excuse. And I told I, I told this kid, I said, I looked her right in the face and I said, stop making excuses. You're, I said, you don't hear yourself, but you're blaming everything and everybody else around you right now. You, had, you have no idea how to own this. And we kept talking and stuff and whatnot. I, I still have a hard time believing that he actually understood. I think he was just starting to agree with me because he didn't want to talk to me anymore. Because sometimes that would happen. That's what happens. But I was trying to teach him about accountability of your responsibilities. You control 100% of the things you control. No one else controls them. You're responsible for 100% of the things that you're responsible for. No one else. And if you if you understand that part, then you can move on. Um, I was talking to another senior NCO the other day, and uh, he he was making a comment about a, a particular individual, and he he was like, "I just don't understand. I don't I don't see why this person is doing this, or why he's incapable of seeing this." And I and I, I looked at him. I said, "You know, I was like, I said, I wish I knew what to do," and and I I said it kind of rhetorically because I knew what to do. Uh, it, I needed to just assist the individual and and be there by their side because obviously I don't think they were grasping on what we were saying. But he he was he was very um, perplexed, so to speak, about that person. And it, it even came to the point he's like, you know, because obviously in our line of work we get involved in all everything, personal life and work life. It doesn't matter. It's all we we have to. That's what we have to do. Um, that's how we keep the fighting force that we have. Uh, but I, I just, he both, him and I, we were both really concerned uh, at the time because we felt bad for the family at the time because of choices that were made. It's, I'm not going to go through the story, but at the end of the day, this individual really wasn't making the right choices and being accountable for his responsibilities. Uh, hopefully we move forward from this and everything will work out. But, uh, well, who knows? We'll see. So what are your thoughts about that being accountable, Ed? Well, it's funny because, one, I have, a, I have a pitch for you to talk about after this about a future episode. But so, again, the great Hal Moore, right? The great Hal Moore once said, if you want to be a better leader, don't start by trying to lead other people. The first person you have to lead in discipline is yourself. Yes. And I think that goes to your story. I think that goes to the whole being accountability. Before I can lead somebody else. 
I have to lead and discipline myself first. And then when, you know, when I was bringing up young leaders, my first thing to them was make a decision, but be willing to accept the consequences of those decisions. Don't try to pass the blame, you know, and, and that was something that I learned from uh, my leaders, you know, Sergeant Leon and Sergeant Ramirez and Sergeant Hamlin. They always, all those guys taught me that make a decision. Don't stand around and waste the soldier's time. Say, hey, go home. And if it doesn't work out, be willing to accept the consequences that you made that that kind of a decision um, and be accountable for what your actions are. So uh, those were leadership lessons that I learned early. And I'm glad that those those three gentlemen, particularly that I just mentioned, taught me those lessons. I, I think that's very important. But. Yeah, you got to start with self, and then we can lead everybody else, Brian. You know, Ed, um, I was thinking about this as we went through this. It seemed to be six areas, right? So he went over. We went over all these. It was be hungry, be hard, be helpful, uh, be hopeful, be humble, and then be accountable. But I think one, the one that I felt like was missing, was be curious. I think I personally think being curious enables a lot of this, right? If I'm curious, it's going to allow me to have that hunger because I'm curious about that. So I'm going to have a hunger towards that. Uh, If I'm curious of if I do something for someone, then that allows me to be helpful for that person, right? Uh, Let's see here. Be hard. If I'm curious about Offering up my my, my learn, uh, lessons learned with someone, it helps me be hard, uh, resilient wise, or you know, hopeful, be humble. I mean, you you can throw it anywhere, but I really think like that whole be curious might fit into this, and basically that would be a seventh pillar. You know, Brian, I don't completely disagree with that at all. I think that I could see. I mean, I'm sure. I'm be honest with you. I think these are like a baseline um six that he's providing because i think there's some other ones that maybe are out there that you know you could add uh to this but i think this is like so if you see something like uh you know like the the pantheon in rome you know maybe there's only six pillars in front of our pantheon these are the the, be curious might be the pillar around the corner as we Mm -hmm. you know go back so i can see where it would fit in though for sure well you know what ed i think i think that leads me into a task I really do because what? Yeah, I, I really do. Cause this is the way I'm thinking about it, man. There's probably people, there are people out there that listen to this and they, I, I'll guarantee you they're successful at, at something s- somewhere down the line. So I, I want to see what people have to say. What's another B that you could be to help you become a successful person. Episode 49. The task is give us one of the, give us a skill uh, or, or 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 something that'll help others be successful. What what can you add to the end of B to help others? What do you think, man? Oh wow! I mean, you could dig deep in there. I think that uh, I think that his six are good. I think be curious is good. Let me just think real quick. Uh, I think be creative. Ooh. But I think be creative can go into some of these other ones because I think leadership, man, over my, at least over my career, I've find it being creative sometimes to come to solutions. I I think it's been crucial over the course of my career at times, you know, you, you face this thing and you think it's some, uh, 
uh, insurmountable thing, and then you come up with a creative solution to it. So I like be creative. Nice, man. So we're going to go with my be curious and your be creative. I want to hear what you, the audience, have. So here's the question. What can others be to help them be successful? With that, we are coming up to the end of this show, Ed. But the cool thing is, is the very next episode, number five zero. Like this is a mile marker for us, man. Like this is a big thing. Um, we're not even at a year yet either. That's what's yeah. crazy is we're hitting 50. And it's because we threw a few episodes in the beginning of the beginning of the year when we started this little journey together. But I mean, I mean, 50, man, we're makes me feel old now. <laughs> but I, yeah, hey, we're we're halfway halfway to a century. Exactly. And I can't wait. Uh, but with that, that's that's the next episode. Uh, we've got some Q&A. We got some uh, we have some emails and text messages we want to share with the audience that we've received. Um, I've got a couple. I don't know how many you have, Ed, uh, but we're going to we're going to go over a few things. But I mean, really, it's just going to be a fun show where we kind of just jibber jabber back and forth. It may be long. It may not. Who knows? But um, with that. I don't have much more for the audience other than to tell them that 101 Influence at Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, you name it, you find us. Just put it in the search bar. There we are, man. Join our groups and you know, follow us and uh, let us know what you think. Ed, what do you got for the audience, bud? Yeah. So the only thing I owe the audience and you, Brian, is the Kevin Hart book is actually I Can't Make This Up, Life Lessons. So it's not the profanity. Um, it, it's good though. I promise. I promise it's a great story, especially if you enjoy Kevin Hart and his humor. Um, but yeah, good book. Don't, we don't get kicked back off of it. Nah. Uh, other than that, Brian, I, I enjoyed this episode. This is one of our shorter episodes too, but it, it was, it was very, uh, good. Lots of great discussion and, uh, who knows what's next. Exactly. And I don't want to take I don't want to take any of the credit for the material here. We actually pulled this. Like I said earlier, we got this from the uh, it's an article from the NCO Journal Ed actually found it. Then he kind of told me about it. So I read it. Uh, and I would tell you that there's th- this is not the only you know, much like uh, the, the other website that we like to uh, find things on with uh, from the Green Notebook. The NCO Journal also has really good information they can help anyone. So give it a try. Check it out. See if there's something out there. If you, if you see something that you like, shoot it to me or Ed. We'll check it out. Maybe we'll th- do a show on it. Who knows? So um, with that, Ed, I think uh, I think you're right, man. This was a good show. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the banter back and forth about certain areas and how we were able to retrospectively look back at our own lives and kind of uh, attach it to the different things. And I, I think the audience could do the same thing. Uh, they could actually look at it and be like, wow, yeah, I, I remember this, or I remember how I could have done this. So, but we'd love to hear back from everyone. Uh, Ed, you have anything else before we go? Uh, no, Brian, it's been great. I look forward to the next episode, which is our Q and a episode. That should be fun times. Good times. Number 50 with that. I am Brian and I am Ed. And this has been the instinctive influencers podcast. We thank you so much for listening. Have a great day.